Most pastors, uh, like singers, try very hard not to catch a cold because we make our living using our voice, which means that we also have a tendency to avoid small children because they are walking Petri dishes. <laughs> a few years ago, I was baptizing a baby, and he reached up, grabbed the microphone off my face, and put it in his mouth and just kind of slobbered all over it. <laughs> he had this runny nose baby, you know, slobbered. When I put it back on, I could just kind of feel the drool running down my <laughs> cheek. So I just, I, everything in me just wanted to put the baby back in his mother's arm and kind of flick the water at him from a distance. <laughs> he felt unclean. And I'm sure that story sounds particularly gross given the last two weeks. I want to ask you a question. Where do you feel like you are unclean or unacceptable, either to yourself or to someone else? Maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed of. Or maybe you've been made to feel like you don't look the right way or have the right job or live in the right kind of house or aren't good enough at this thing or that thing to fit in. Where do you feel unacceptable? Second question, who do you view as unacceptable, either because of some moral issue in their life or because they've hurt someone, maybe you or someone else? Where do you feel unacceptable? Who do you have a hard time accepting? We're doing a sermon series about how Jesus' miracles give us glimpses into what the kingdom of God is all about. And that phrase, the kingdom of God, is kind of nebulous. But it basically means whenever things are being restored to what God always intended them to be. And the two stories we read today show that one of the things the kingdom of God means is that in the person of Jesus, God himself comes to us to rescue us when we feel unacceptable. And then he invites us to this adventure of being co-rescuers with him to others who also feel unacceptable. And we see it in these two stories. One is about a leper who is about as unaccepted as you could get. In the Bible, leprosy can refer to any skin disease, even a rash. So anyone with any skin issue in Jesus' day was forced to continuously yell out, unclean, unclean, and then everyone would run away from him. And they definitely weren't allowed anywhere near the temple to worship God. Now, today, medically, we know that there's no reason for that. The leprosy was not nearly as contagious as people thought back then. And, and I know that in our sophisticated day, it's hard to believe that there was once a culture so primitive and fearful that a few government and media elites could generate fear about a disease that turned out to not be that bad. <laughs> hard to imagine a culture like that. Ooh. Bible is so different than today, isn't it? In Jesus' day, leprosy was considered not just to, lepers were not just physically unclean, but they were considered to be morally unclean as well, even though Jesus makes it clear that there's nothing wrong with them morally. Now, in those days, the only thing worse than a leper was a tax collector. And the tax collectors were, and that's the second story we read, and tax collectors were Jews who collaborated with the occupying Roman army to extort vast sums of money from their fellow Jews that left them destitute. They were traitors and morally corrupt. Sort of the equivalent of someone today who maybe is a pornographer and a terrorist combined. But Jesus not only says to Matthew, the tax collector, come follow me. He eats with them which in that culture symbolized total acceptance. And then when the serious religious people saw what Jesus did, they got all huffy, as serious religious people are prone to do. 
Both of these stories show that the kingdom of God is about God himself coming in the person of Jesus to rescue those of us who feel unacceptable at some point in our lives and then invites us into the adventure of partnering with him in rescuing others who feel unacceptable as well. The author Philip Yancey tells a story of a man in his church named Adolphus who was homeless. And in Yancey's church, people would stand up, say their prayer requests out loud, and the congregation would all respond, Lord, hear our prayer. Well, one day Adolphus stood up and he said, Lord, I just want to thank you for Whitney Houston and her amazing body. There's this kind of moment of silence and then the congregation said, Lord, hear our prayer. (laughs) What could they do, right? Making Adolphus feel completely accepted. And we all need that. Because you see, the leper in this story is really just a metaphor for all of us who feel unacceptable for some reason at some point in our lives, for something maybe we've done or because we've been told we're not good enough or wealthy enough or good-looking enough or whatever to fit in. And because all of us carry a disease called sin, which, we often, make, which often makes us feel unacceptable. And this disease called sin really is a pandemic. Everyone has it. It's sort of like the man who prayed, Dear God, so far today I haven't gossiped, haven't been greedy, grumpy, selfish, nasty, but in a few minutes I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to need some help. (laughs) We've all got a sin issue, even if we don't want to admit it. You know, part of the problem these days is either we think that we don't have any sins we need Jesus to forgive us for, you know, we sort of or excuse our gossip that destroys someone's reputation, or overlook the strained relationships we have with neighbors or friends or children or coworkers or spouses that we're just sure is their fault. Couldn't be anything I'm doing, right? We don't think we've got a sin issue because we're good people in and at least I'm not Hitler sort of a way. Or we think we're so messed up that Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with us. But Jesus rescues us when we feel unacceptable and invites us to the adventure of rescuing others. And you see that in, that in the story of the leper. Let me just highlight a couple of verses that make this clear. The story starts by saying, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. What this refers to is the verse before, where Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount, where he was talking about very important theological issues. So when it says that Jesus came down from the mountainside, that is not just a geographic description. That's also a metaphor for the fact that Jesus doesn't just stay up there in heaven, away from it all, but he descends, he stoops into the muck and the mud and the mire of our everyday lives. He's not so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. And as his followers, we should be both learning from Jesus up on the mountain, but also down in the trenches of life with everybody else. Then the story goes on to say, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him. Now that is an amazing verse. That this leper, after all the rejection he has experienced, feels free to approach Jesus, a rabbi, shows that he knew Jesus was a different kind of man. No matter what makes you feel unacceptable, guys, Jesus never rejects. He loves you just as you are, not as you should be. And then it says that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. That verse is the Bible in a nutshell. That verse is the kingdom of God in one small verse. It does not say Jesus recoiled in horror. 
It doesn't say Jesus lectured him on his uncleanness. The Greek verb actually says Jesus grabbed him. And can you imagine for this man who had not been touched in years, nobody would so much as shake his hand. Can you imagine what that touch must have meant to him? What is the secret that you carry? Addiction? Pornography? Eating disorder? Some way you've wounded someone in the past? Or maybe it's not moral at all. Maybe in our culture, you've been made to feel that you don't drive the right car, have the right job, look the right way, you're not good enough at school, you're not good enough at your job, you're not good enough at sports, whatever it is. What's your leprosy? Jesus does not shrink back in horror. He reaches out and he will never let go. He will never let go. He will never let go of you no matter what you do. Now, if it stopped there, that would be good news. But the news gets even better than that as we go through the story. The next verse, Jesus says, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. You see, not only does Jesus reach out to us, but he also heals us. And this is important because Jesus didn't say to the leper, oh, you got leprosy. Too bad. Bummer to be you. And he doesn't say to Matthew, the tax collector, ooh, you're collaborating with an oppressive colonial power that is raping and pillaging the land. No big deal. He doesn't say that. You see, Jesus loves us just as we are, not as we should be, but he also loves us enough not to leave us where he found us. He heals us physically, spiritually, morally, and he makes us new people. But, and this is important, you got to get the order right. The order is not clean up your act so you can come to Jesus, which is sometimes what we religious people tend to say, clean up your act and come to Jesus. No, 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 that's not the order. That's the cart before the horse. The right order is come to Jesus and over time he'll clean up your act. And the way he does that is through closeness with him. You see, none of us have a sin problem. All of us have an intimacy problem. We're not close enough to Jesus to be changed by him. The person whose lifestyle is immoral, they don't have a morality problem. They have an intimacy problem. They're not close enough to Jesus to have been transformed by him. The judgmental person doesn't have a judgmental problem. They have an intimacy problem. And once they experience the love of Jesus, they will become more loving. First Jesus, then transformation. That's the right order. I think of a father I know of who harbored deep guilt that when his son was growing up, all he did was work and was never around. And on top of that, he treated his wife as a maid and a nurse and a nanny and a cook, but never uh, a woman. And as a result, he felt like a failure. Until he started to go to church. And in the words of the songs, the scripture, the sermons, he began to hear Jesus say to him, I love you. You're my son. I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're around. I like to be with you. And when that shame, that gradually began to lift the guilt and the shame off of his shoulders, and when that shame was gone, he gave him the courage to go to his wife and to his son and ask their forgiveness and to begin to make restitution and to begin a journey of healing their relationships. Now, Jesus didn't say to this guy, you rotten jerk. His wife and his kid might have thought that, but not Jesus. But Jesus also didn't say, oh, man, you have badly wounded people. No big deal. Let's just call it even. But when he experienced Jesus' love, he became more loving. Not all at once, but over time. No matter where you feel unacceptable, Jesus reaches out to you and he heals you and he accepts you into his family. And all of us need that because all of us at one point or another feel unacceptable for some reason. There's a church in California where one day the pastor was reading from a passage in the Bible that says that neither greedy people, nor sexually immoral people, nor thieves, nor gossips, nor slanderers will inherit the kingdom of God unless they know Jesus. 
And then the passage says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as he was reading that passage, he stopped and he asked the congregation, he said, how many of you come from a background like one of these sins listed here? If you did, would you please stand up? And I actually thought that was a pretty good idea. So I'd like to do that right now. <laughs> no, just kidding. Though it would be kind of interesting, huh? But not on Mother's Day. Well, at first, nobody moved. Go figure, right? But eventually, this elderly woman stood up. And then someone else and someone else, and pretty soon two-thirds of the congregation was standing. Well, there's a visitor there that day, not a Christian, just checking out what this Jesus thing was all about. And when he saw all of those people standing, he thought to himself, I am home at last. Church isn't for good people. It's for messed up people who Jesus has grabbed a hold of and is in the process of making them whole again. And it's for folks who want an adventure in being a partner with him in rescuing this world from the clutches of the devil. And if that describes you, then you're home. And then Jesus does one more thing in this story. He tells the leper, go, show yourself to the priest. Couple reasons Jesus might have said this. One was according to the law for a leper to be pronounced clean, a priest had to do it. Another reason I think Jesus said this is he's trying to restore this man to community so he can have friends again. But I think the real reason Jesus says, says this is to challenge the religious folk, just like he did when he called Matthew the tax collector. I think he's saying, listen, religious folks, the kingdom of God is not about avoiding people that you think of as sinful. And for you, that's a long list. Because everyone is sinful, even religious folks, actually sometimes especially religious folks. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is about a God who is not squeamish about human brokenness, but who reaches out to grab us when we feel unacceptable and he makes us feel whole again. And then he invites us to be co-rescuers with him to others who feel unacceptable. There's a pastor named Beth Moore and she tells a story of being in an airport and she noticed an elderly man kind of slumped over in a wheelchair and this guy, he was just skin and bones, long fingernails, long matted gray hair all the way down uh, his back. Uh, she said it was sort of like a Howard Hughes sighting. And she sat there trying to avoid eye contact. And she got one of those nudges that she knew was not her thought. It was God moving her with compassion. So she started to argue with God. And she said, no, no way. I am not going to go evangelize this guy. No way. Not here. I mean, if I'm on the plane next to him, maybe I'll tell him about you, Jesus, but not here with everyone looking. No. And then she got another thought that she knew was God. And he said, I don't want you to evangelize him. I want you to brush his hair. And she said, God, I want you to know that I am totally ready to go evangelize that man. <laughs> I am on it, Lord. I'm your gal. But God said, that's not what I said, Beth. So then she said out loud, well, I don't have a hairbrush. But that nudge just got stronger and stronger. So finally she went over and as non-awkwardly as she could said, you know, sir, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? And he said, lady, if you expect me to hear you, you're going to have to talk a lot louder than that. <laughs> so she ended up shouting, can I brush your hair? And everyone's staring at her, right? And he said, well, if you really want to. And she thought, well, of course I don't want to. And she said, but God wasn't interested in my comfort zone. Well, she, then she said, well, I don't have a hairbrush. And he said, well, I happen to have one in my bag. And as she started to brush his hair, she said, for a moment, I have never felt the kind of love I felt for him for anyone else in my life. 
She said, for a few minutes, I felt a portion of God's love for this man. God had overtaken my heart like someone renting a room, making himself at home. And when she was done, she said to him, sir, do you know my friend Jesus? And he said, well, yes, I do. And she thought, well, that figures, right? And then he said, you know, I've known him ever since I married my wife. She wouldn't marry me otherwise. And he said, but the problem is I haven't seen my bride in months. You see, I've had open heart surgery and she's been too ill to come and see me. And I was sitting here thinking, what a mess I must be for her to see me now. So thank you for brushing my hair and making, making me fit to see my bride again. Right then, the airline hostess came to wheel this man onto the plane, and when he left, Beth Moore said she sat down and she started to cry because she felt so privileged that God had arranged the details of this whole thing so that she got to be part of giving this man a really important moment and showing him the love of Jesus. Well, after a little while, the airline hostess came back, and she was crying, and she said, you know, that old man is sitting on the plane right now just sobbing with joy. Why did you do that? What made you do that for him? And Beth Moore said, do you know Jesus? He can be the bossiest thing. <laughs> and that started a really cool conversation with the hostess. Beth Moore ends by saying, God did not send me to that old man. He sent the old man to me. Because life shouldn't be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly shouting, what a ride, thank you, Jesus. She got to be the hand of Jesus, reaching out to someone who felt unacceptable because of age and health and appearance. And in the process, gave that airline hostess a really good glimpse of the kingdom of God and what Jesus is all about. Now, for you, your adventure with Jesus may be a little bit different, thankfully. You know, I, for one, would have fought God a lot harder than Beth Moore did. I would have won. But for you, it may be another kind of way that you're going to partner with God in reaching out to people who feel unacceptable. Maybe it's mentoring a, a kid or serving the poor. I know a football coach who views his whole role as a coach, nothing other than to help teenage boys step into courageous, honorable manhood. It is about making them men for him, and he doesn't leave anyone out. He rescues them all. So where do you feel unacceptable or embarrassed or like you have to hide? Jesus reaches out to you, and he will never let go no matter what you've done or no matter what you haven't done. And then what adventure is he inviting you into where you can be a co-rescuer with him to others who feel unaccepted? You know, y'all are a pretty good-looking bunch. You know, I know that because I have to look at you every Sunday. And you are a wonderful congregation, and I love you. And I also know what's sitting out in those seats right now. Adultery, pornography, having been abused as a child, gossip, prideful, materialistic, broken marriages, icy relationships with others, not really believing in God even though we're here in church or just having a heart that isn't loving at times. We are all on that list somewhere, including me. I got some stuff on that list too. But Jesus doesn't judge you or me, and I'm not judging either. He came to rescue us from shame. And I know that's true 
Because I also know that sitting out there this morning are marriages that are being healed and addictions that have been overcome and families being restored and people, people that Jesus is inviting, even before we get our act together, inviting into an adventure of rescuing others with him. And this is what excites me. This gets me out of bed in the morning because I am one messed up, screwed up, fouled up pastor, and I know it. But it is this mess that Jesus says he loves. Not because of anything that I've done to deserve it, because I haven't done a thing. But, be, but because when the devil had captured me, he reaches out and he grabs me in the middle of all of my mess and he's never let go, he's never let go, he's never let go of me and he is making me whole and he is making me new and he's doing that for you too if you know Jesus. And then he invites us to this adventure of rescuing others with him. That's the kingdom of God and that's the adventure I want for my life. How about you? There's an old poem that says, some like to dwell within the sound of church and chapel bell, but me, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell because that's where my Lord rescued me and that's where he invites us to rescue others. So Jesus, we ask that you would connect our hearts to the heart of the Father. Help us to feel his acceptance. Help us to hear him saying to us, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you. And Lord, help that to change us, call us out of hiding, call us out of fear, call us out of shame to be your partners in reaching out to a world that is broken and hurting and feels unacceptable for a whole variety of reasons. Help us to show them your love this week and we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.